Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. Hello there, Steve Ekstrom, host of the Business Class Podcast. Today's guest, joining me from Mesa, Arizona, Mark Garcia, CEO of the Visit Mesa. See, that's where we do the edits. That's that quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was commenting just a moment ago that there's a beautiful background. We're connecting via Zoom, although this is going to be audio. But there's a beautiful background uh, in your picture. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, Obviously, being in Arizona, we're known for our sunsets. So this is a view of a gorgeous sunset in uh, in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, Mesa is located in Metro Phoenix. And Mesa, the reason it's called Mesa, it's Spanish for table. So it sits up a little bit higher than the rest of the valley uh, or Maricopa County. Um, and so it's getting a look at, this is a view to the uh, to the west looking towards Phoenix, actually. Uh, and we have some water around us. So we're known for the water. From a marketing standpoint, we try to own the water like we feel no one else can authentically do. And so a lot of what you see in terms of imagery from us, whether that's locals or whether we're going out to direct to consumers out of market, uh, we're trying to show our different waterways. The Salt River literally runs at our feet. Uh, in Mesa, and then we have a you know a lake system nearby with Saguaro Lake, Saguaro Lake, and and Canyon Lake. So that's what this is depicting, or at least a peek at it. I like it. Um, you know, one of the things that we've noticed, and and I did a lot of travel over the last year. I'm a digital nomad. Okay, so I'm, I'm in You're an RV. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I never would have imagined it would be me, but it's been a great adventure. Um, but one of the things I've noticed over the last couple of years is the increase in accessibility to natural, uh, to nature. Um, and I know that that's something that's important to your destination is accessibility. How, how are your, how is your organization supporting that? Well, when it comes to accessibility, um, boy, we could take that in so many different directions, Stephen. Um, as it relates to sustainability, um, I, I would just kind of take us back a little bit in this conversation. You know, when COVID hit, um, obviously our businesses were struggling, um, but Mesa on the whole did probably a little bit better, at least better than our neighbors did in a more urban environment. Uh, Mesa is the great outdoors and all the adventure that comes with it. And so we, you know, our destination being mostly a leisure destination was kind of naturally socially distanced. So it encouraged people to get outdoors, as we saw during the pandemic. So many folks were looking to do that. And so, you know, we invited folks locally and nationally, globally, to uh, experience the wonders of the great outdoors, the wonders of the Tonto National Forest uh, that we butt up against. And so, you know, we started creating, creating additional content on our website related to uh, sustainability initiatives. Um, we obviously know that a lot of folks are visiting with sustainability in mind. Um, so it's something that, you know, we tackled, if you will, uh, right away during the pandemic. And certainly we're inviting folks to, uh, to visit this destination that 
and city and, and community that really takes care of the desert uh, and the desert forest. And so very important to us. How long have you been in Mesa? Uh, almost 11 years now. What preconceived notion did you have about the destination? Before well, I'm a native Arizona. I'm a native Phoenician. So I certainly had some uh, some preconceived notions about what Mesa uh, was, at least what I thought it was. Um, you know, Mesa was kind of known to be this, uh, you know, one of the largest bedroom communities in America. You know, we're the 36th largest city in the country. And a lot of folks maybe, you know, aren't familiar with with Mesa, didn't certainly didn't know the size of Mesa in terms of population. Um, you know, we were kind of known as being somewhat, uh, you know, wide streets, narrow minds, if you will. Um, there wasn't a lot of progress. I mean, being the 36th largest city, the reason that a lot of folks haven't heard about us or didn't hear about us is because we don't have the assets that are normally associated with the city of our size. We don't have the big uh, international airport or uh, dozens and dozens and four or five star hotels and resorts that Phoenix and Scottsdale enjoy, for example, uh, stadiums and arenas that are in Phoenix or Glendale. So, um, you know, we, 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 we didn't have those things. And as a hospitality executive, I came from Visit Phoenix where I spent 15 years. I had my own ideas about what I might expect. But as I dug into it quite a bit more, I realized the city was uh, very eager to flip that narrative and show that things had been changing, were going to continue to change and continue to grow in for, for all the right reasons. And so that's why I took the job here uh, almost 11 years ago now and uh, what I had hoped would happen is happening. You know, there's a renaissance of our uh, Main Street, downtown Mesa. There's explosive growth in every corner of our city. Meta's here, Google, Apple is here. Uh, we are the only city in Arizona with two commercial airports in either direction of our downtown core. So there's plenty of accessibility and it's extremely affordable. What is the thing that you're most proud of having accomplished over the last 11 years? Uh, I think certainly it has to be uh, the fact that we are the nation's first autism certified city. That's probably the thing that we're most proud of. For destinations that aren't yet autism certified, um, what advice would you have for them? Uh, <laughs> it's it's a, a pretty big task. Uh, going with an open mind um, to uh, bring together those from the autism community that can really help you navigate the why this, uh, why does it work, what is the business case? Because um, certainly, you, you know, when you have this conversation, a lot of folks are going to ask that uh, very appropriate question, you know, what does that mean? What does certified, autism certified mean as a city, as a destination? Now, you know, and so it's going through that process of explaining that this is more of a business certification rather than trying to create an army of therapists, right? That's certainly not what we're trying to do. It's simply about raising awareness, uh, gaining an understanding and appreciation and a sensitivity to what uh, the world looks like to, to those who live on the spectrum and the families that are supporting those individuals. It's a huge market. Now, one in 36 people in this country, children are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And 
it was more of a business decision for us. You know, obviously it's the right thing to do. It's good corporate responsibility, but we felt that this was a market that is hyper loyal. When they find out about a place that is even autism friendly, uh, they uh, flock to it and they come back again and again. And so we wanted to get out in front of it. It's obviously personal for me. My son has autism. Um, but uh, the, it's also a way as a DMO to really engage your community. So many folks, even outside the visitor industry, wanted to be a part of this movement. Uh, and so it's also an opportunity to gain relevance in your community. When you were growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> uh, you know, obviously it changed uh, at different points in my young child. I obviously wanted to be a professional athlete to begin with. Um, you know, as I got into high school, you know, I was thinking about becoming a doctor. And then as I got into college, it flipped from pre-med to uh, political science. And the idea was to become a lawyer. Got actually accepted into law school. Uh, wow. And to my father's dismay, uh, <laughs> I decided to, you know, take some time off and worked in Southern California for a while before ultimately two years later ending up at what was then the Phoenix and Valley of the Sun Convention and Visitors Bureau to become Greater Phoenix Convention and Visitors Bureau, now known as Visit Phoenix. Um, but yeah, you know, I've always had an affinity for government, politics. I love my community. I love where we live. So being in this business allowed me to sort of marry my personal interests with my professional life, being able to cover a lot of ground, a lot of different interests. Um, so it appealed to me very much. Had no idea what a DMO or a CVB was, uh, sort of stumbled into it by accident, uh, but certainly love what we do and what we mean for communities uh, all across this great land. I have said for years that I'm not the politician. I, I I don't think I could play the office politics or or the community politics very well. How do you balance that with the task of marketing the destination too? Um, you know, I don't know if it's all that difficult, really. It's just being um, deliberate, purposeful, kind, transparent. Uh, I don't think these are things that are that that difficult to accomplish. You know, maybe it's just natural to me, um, but I've always been a collaborator. I've always been about bringing people together and being honest and communicating goals, goals and objectives. I'm all about process. You know, we're in the middle of our 10-year master plan right now. That will very much inform our three-year strategic plan that we're going to do in, in later in the summer. And then that informs, obviously, our annual business development plan. And just having the right people at the table, the right people on your board, um, I think the politics are, are pretty easy. Now, there are other political um, uh, realities that can be difficult, right? I mean, there can be pieces of legislation, for example, that are introduced at your state legislature. You're trying to guard against that. You know, you don't want things that are going to be bad for your brand. Uh, and those can get a little funky, if you will, from time to time. Um, but by and large, when you're looking at the politics on a local level or even internally within your own organization, I think so long as there is constant, regular, effective communication uh, and that you're completely open and you try to allow for all different types of 
points of view to be heard and considered, I think you're going to find yourself in a good place. Where do you see yourself with regards to personal growth over the next 10 years? Boy, that's a that's a tough question to answer. Um, it is. And we can edit this out afterwards, too. Yeah, you know, I, I like where I am. You know, I like what we're building here. Uh, this is really a special place that, as I mentioned earlier, is growing for the right reasons. Um, there, there are a lot of things that I want to accomplish here. I'd like to see that growth being done in a responsible manner. Um, I, I, obviously, I want to see more full-service hotel properties here. I'd like to see more 21st century um, uh, flexible meeting space come into the market. Um, but as far as some of the other elements that make destinations successful, it's really coming together nicely. And I just want to be able to effectively bridge some of the gaps, create the necessary connectivity between all those experiences that make them uh, most rich. Um, you know, that's where I'm at. Obviously, there's always um, room to grow. I'm learning all the time, even having been in this business and the DMO business for 26 plus years, I'm continually learning new, th new things, technologies constantly changing. Uh, you talk about the digital moment, nomads. We're talking about that right now in our our marketing uh, department, and you know how do we uh, go after that market? What does the messaging look like? We know they're going to have longer lengths of stay, um, but what does the messaging look like as we penetrate that market? Right. So um, you know, technology is constantly evolving and changing, and how we do business. Our KPIs are constantly evolving. Is it the room night? Is it the visitor? Is it the attendee? Um, but I like where I'm at. How would you describe the culture of the organization that, that you try to cultivate? Um, another thing that constantly evolves, right? You know, when I came over from Visit Phoenix, I was used to coming up. You, I got out of my car. I was in a coat, got in the office in a coat. I, when I left the office, I put that coat on. Uh, and I tried to bring that to the organization at that time. So back in 2012 through probably 2015, 16. Um, it was a, I tried to create a little more buttoned up uh, culture because I think it needed it at the time. Um, but now we've kind of relaxed some of that. And certainly we've all known through the pandemic that in order to create, or in order to hire, to keep those in the creative class, we need to be a little more flexible with our environment, with the work hours in person. So um you know, I think now that we've gone to a hybrid environment where we're in the office two days a week, at home three days a week, obviously, sometimes we need to have staff in uh, more regularly. If we have clients in town or we have an event in town, we have to work a few more days and hours in person. But, uh, you know, we've tried to create an environment that is about wellness. Um, we have ongoing seminars for staff here. Uh, talking about such items, food preparation, healthy food, healthy eating, healthy living. Um, we have a uh, a treadmill downstairs. We have an elliptical with a television. So it's a place for folks to work out even within our space. Um, so we're always open to new ideas, especially from within staff about um, things that could make this work-life balance 
most successful? Who do you look up? Your question. No, I think that's really good. And, and, you know, that's something we haven't heard from a lot of folks is, you know, focusing on employee wellness mm -hmm. um, in addition to just the general education, but that, that personal connectivity to the destination, to each other, to their own health. Um, we try. It's not perfect for sure, but we're giving Listen, it a go. There's cake in the break room, right? Every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> um, who do you look up to? Who are your mentors? You know, I was very fortunate to learn a great deal from uh, two folks uh, at Visit Phoenix. Uh, the person who hired me, Dave Radcliffe, who's now in the Hall of Fame, was a great mentor, a great teacher, uh, learning about um, the ways in which you approach uh, your work on a daily basis, on an annual basis, uh, mental preparation for the type of work that we do and how varied it is how to approach customers in um, the most professional manner. Uh, I got to work with him for about five years before Steve Moore came on. And Steve Moore, I mentioned earlier that I, you know, I have an affinity for government and politics. I thought he was an excellent uh, teacher, um, just even by example, in how he would approach relationships at City Hall with the County Board of Supervisors, with the state legislature, you know, he used to have a saying, and I've, I've, I've tried to adopt it as much as possible, that you can't just, you know, you can't just hear that train coming. You got to smell it. And I would learn through uh, little intricacies and, and how and just very much watching how he approached those relationships, how he managed those dynamics. I learned a great deal about, you know, you asked the question earlier about the politics of it. And I learned a great deal from him about how to effectively manage those relationships, how he handled himself, the way in which he approached it, the way in which information was shared, uh, while also keeping a healthy distance, right? I think that's also really important as well when you're leading a DMO. So those two, Dave Radcliffe, Steve Moore, uh, were terrific mentors. Couldn't have asked for two better mentors in this business. What do you think are the greatest lessons you learned from your parents? From my parents? Wow. Um, you know, my dad passed away today, a year ago. Um, my best friend, uh, what a great man uh, he was, taught me how to work really hard. Um, the, the fruits that come from that labor, what good work healthy work means. Um, and just leading by example, uh, my mother, I uh, consider a saint. <laughs> I mean, one of the nicest human beings, doesn't have an enemy. Um, taught me about the importance of family. Family is everything to me uh, because of their example. I think it's important. I think if more families were whole and together today, I think our society would be in a, you know, would be in a better place. Um, so really, the value of hard work, the love and appreciation uh, of family, I think those are the two things that come to mind right now. Discipline uh, certainly was really important for me and keeping a schedule, keeping out of trouble. Uh, athletics was a big thing growing up for me. I was a soccer player, baseball player, football player through high school, soccer player in college, um, and just keeping 
a good head on my shoulders, I think. And they were great uh, uh, examples of how to do that. You mentioned family being important, and you obviously work in the travel and tourism space, and traveling with your family gives you some some great moments. Mm -hmm. um, what do you look for when you're taking your family on a trip? You know, these days, it's really just about unplugging and getting away if we can. So we typically like to be at the beach. Uh, you know, my family's been going to San Diego, um, and a lot of us, what are called zonies, by the by the San Diegans, um, you know, we, we go there quite a bit. I'll be there again in a few weeks or in about a month. Um, I just look for relaxation. You know, my wife definitely likes to be more at the beach. She just loves laying in the sun and being around the family. I do, however, like to experience culture in a destination. So I'm constantly in her ear about mixing it up. Hey, let's go into town. Let's go to this museum. Let's go to that museum. Uh, but certainly she wins most of the time <laughs> and yeah. we, we spend a lot of time at the beach. I need that time for sure. And so that is good. Um, but I do, I'm a big, I'm a history buff, love history. Um, I was a minor in history in college and I just love learning new things uh, in different places that we go to. Obviously being the travel business, she has uh I've been lucky enough for her to join me at different places. And especially when I'm out of market and in a new city, I love to immerse myself in that culture and, and try to learn as much history as I can about that community. You know, one of my favorite quotes is when one person teaches, two people learn. And uh, I like it. That really hadn't heard back. that before, but I like it. It's a, it's a great one. And we're, ours is a team of, nerds you know we, we're people who love to learn and i think that that's something that we share with with travelers what do visitors learn while visiting mesa um, that they take with them for the long term well we get a lot of repeat visitors here <laughs> first and foremost but for those who are visiting for the first time if they're learning anything i think they're learning you know how close we are to Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. In fact, most of the hotels and attractions uh, in Mesa uh, are, are, are even closer to Sky Harbor than many of those in Phoenix itself. Um, so there's great proximity there. Again, affordability, um, the weather, you know, and that's true for all the communities that make up the Valley of the Sun or Maricopa County here. Uh, you know, 300 sun-filled days a year, the Gulf, is i mean we're well known metro phoenix is well known for uh, our golf and the quality of the golf courses that we have here uh, obviously we're home for the chicago cubs and the oakland a so there are a lot of folks that know about us because of cactus league spring training uh, but when they get to get out and and see you know experience the hiking and biking trails some of the best in the western united states are here um, in fact, one trail in particular, Hawes Trail, is kind of now, it's no longer a secret. Uh, Utah, for the mountain biking community, was kind of the home. And now we're starting to see this migration uh, to the south here, and specifically to Hawes Trails, Hawes Trail and experience that. I mentioned the water earlier. I don't think a lot of folks, I think what they learn, they come here, is that there is quite a bit of water here in the desert, especially uh, here in Mason and the surrounding 
part of the southeast part of Maricopa County. So I think those are the things that they learned most. And I think they learned that, you know, we're a very friendly people, welcoming community here in Mesa um, that is, by and large, very supportive of uh, tourism, uh, the value proposition that is the visitor economy. Well, how did you get into this? So the uh, backstory was I worked in, like I said, tourism development for about 25 years. Uh, the first part of that was working on property, museums, restaurants, attractions, etc. The latter half of that was working as a consultant where I would show up in a destination, you know, find things that would appeal to travelers and help bring that to market. Um, I had a, a client in California that asked for a half-day customer service seminar probably about oh, nine years ago now. Uh, and Sheena Works, who's now the chief learning officer here at the Tourism Academy, uh, tourismacademy.org, asked if she could come along. And when we left, she said it would make a great online course. And I thought she was out of her mind. And the reason that I thought that was because most of the education that I'd received working in travel and tourism had been pretty bad. Um, you know, lots of webinars that you could go and make yourself a cup of coffee and come back to and maybe pay attention while you're checking your email, maybe not. Um, lots of subject matter experts who didn't know how to engage an audience. The same speakers at this conference, that conference, and the other conference. Um, folks that had something to sell were passing it off as, as education. Uh, and that started my own discovery of what learning and training and instructional design and business psychology were. Um, that with beta testing had been going on in the background since about 2014, 2015. And with COVID, being a consultant in the tourism space, everything dried up. And I decided to put my full-time effort into the nonprofit. Uh, so that's where we came from. And, and as a nonprofit, what we focus on are four things, you know, technology. So training can be delivered when, where, and how people need it. Consulting, you know, building courses and building training programs that meet specific objectives for clients. Um, speaking and sharing knowledge as, as much and often and, and as wide reaching as we can. Um, and, you know, helping brands get their name in front of the right audiences. Um, so sponsorships, essentially. Okay. So that's that's how I ended up here. Um, how I ended up here where I am sitting today as a digital nomad, I am in my friend's house uh, just outside of Orlando. I wow. sold my house in Fort Lauderdale a year and a half ago. Uh, I had about three months before I was going to go live on an island for a year. And I asked my neighbor if I could rent his RV that he had never used. He sold it to me for what he had left on the loan. And I've been on a road trip since. Wow. Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. It's been a great adventure. Well, thank you, kind sir. I appreciate your time. It's my uh, pleasure. If you need folks for a focus group on digital nomads, just call me up. Okay. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thanks, Steve. Awesome.